Hello and welcome everyone. This is Love, Joy, and Languages, a podcast about loving languages and finding joy in learning them. I am Heidi, the creator and host of this show, and today I get to share another fascinating interview. This week I'm chatting with German teacher Chris of Deutsch mit Chris. Chris shares her story of how she got into the German language as a high school student from the southern United States. She had the typical story many of us know, growing up in a place where only one language is spoken, taking a few years of language in school, and performing really well, but not being able to speak the language. Yet something happened for Chris that sparked her interest in German, and luckily she followed that curiosity all the way to living and studying in Germany and then becoming a teacher of the language. But her path wasn't that simple. Chris shares many of the struggles she experienced having a high level of academic German, but still not feeling like she could speak it at all. She tells a wonderful story of how she grew into her advanced level German, gaining ability and confidence as she found a way to force herself into speaking situations. She explains how her experiences in language classrooms shaped her entire teaching philosophy and methods, and a bit about what she does to continue learning and expanding her German while living in the country as an advanced speaker and teacher of the language. We cover being a science-slash-math person who also loves languages, how cultural misunderstandings affect when and how we speak our languages, and helpful versus unhelpful feedback from others. Chris has such an honest and down-to-earth approach to language learning, and listening to her share how she worked to overcome her hurdles and then translated those into helping her students is so exciting. I love her approach, I love her transparency in her own journey, and I have no doubt that you all will enjoy it too. Chris shares her online information at the end of the interview, but you can also find them in the show notes so you can connect with her, nerd out over languages and math with her, and share her German course with anyone you know who can benefit from her work. So here we go, my lovely conversation with Deutsch mit Chris. Welcome to Love, Joy, and Languages, Chris from Deutsch mit Chris. Yeah, hello. Um, I'm really happy to be here and talk about some languages. So yeah, thanks for the invitation. So I have to tell our listeners how this even came about because it was totally the most random thing on Twitter where I followed you and I don't even know why. Maybe you had posted something in German before and I'm learning German. So probably that's how we got connected. But you just made a random tweet about wanting to be on a podcast sometime. And I responded, I was like, I have a podcast. <laughs> Let's talk. And then we talked offline a bit uh, through chat and come to find out we have very similar backgrounds in our education. We both come from a mathematical background, but we're interested in languages. And now you teach German. We both live in Germany. So it just kind of came about that we had this opportunity to talk. And I'm really excited to have you on your potential first podcast yes. interview. <laughs> yes, I for a while I was really into podcasts. I'm still into them, but maybe slightly less just because I had a really long commute at the time. So I was listening to them every day for probably three hours a day, multiple times a week. And I was like, I think I could do that. So I just randomly tweeted about it. Yeah, a lot of people reached out and this is the first one that has worked. So I'm super excited to be here and super excited to hear this on a commute in the future. Oh, yes. <laughs> so let's get started with the language side of things. Tell us a bit about yourself, where you come from, your history with languages, and just what brings you to the language community. I grew up in Mississippi. So it was basically just English. So in the south of the United States, we 
just speak English. Maybe you get two years of language in high school. I did Spanish and I did not really learn Spanish, but I also had the best grade <laughs> in Spanish. So I think there was really this idea, okay, I need to memorize vocabulary and I need to memorize yeah, the endings for verbs and I need to be able to write that on the test. But I tried going to the Mexican restaurant and ordering in Spanish and it just didn't really work. No one could understand what I was saying. I couldn't understand them. And it was just really discouraging. So I realized I will probably never learn a language, even though I was so excited to learn Spanish when it was like my turn to do it. So um, then I met in my Spanish class, a German exchange student, and we became really good friends. And she could speak German and English and some French and some Spanish. And I was like, it's possible. So why can't I do it? And uh, so long story short, in the next school year, we got a German exchange student. I changed schools so that I could take a German class. And I got really obsessed. Like I was watching SpongeBob in German. I was watching all kinds of shows in German. I didn't really know what I was doing. And I started Googling around. How do I learn German very quickly. How can I speak German? And so I got first um, involved in Langblur, so on Tumblr, and later on the in the Twitter community. And just, um, yeah, I still didn't really know what was going on and was really overwhelmed because so many people already had a language background. Maybe they spoke Spanish and Italian and then already spoke English since the third grade or something. And I was like, okay, I'm like, 17 am I too old for this is this possible and I had always been told you're good at math you'll never be good at languages so it was like a really really hard way to go and yeah and in the end <laughs> I don't want to talk too long but in the end it worked out which is part of why I wanted to become a German teacher and I specifically enjoy working with these types of people who are scared of speaking who maybe have been told you're good at math so you're not going to be able to speak a language or German is too hard for you you should try Spanish and stuff like that and I think um just even being an example as the teacher and saying like no I am a math brain so to say and and I can speak German, or I started when I was 16, and I can speak German, like, and I never saw that example online. So, oh, yeah. my gosh, there's so much to unpack here. <laughs> I feel so many emotions listening to your story, because I feel like high school me, I took Spanish for two years, and, and then two more years at university. And we had the choice in my high school between French, Spanish and German. Mm -hmm. And I chose Spanish pretty much because everybody else did, because everyone said it was easy. German was supposed to be the hard language. And I was a perfectionist with my grades. I had to get an A and I was terrified that German would be too difficult for me. Fast forward 20 plus years, I'm living in Germany trying to learn the language. And as a mathematically inclined person, I have to say there is something about German that I really love. The logic and structure of the grammar speaks to me in a way that Italian doesn't. And I love Italian. I love the sound. I love the flexibility of the language. But German feels more mechanical in mm -hmm. a way that I feel like my math sciencey brain really gets. And that's something that not too many people really talk about that, especially when you're younger, even if people don't directly say 
you're a science person, you can't do languages. We get these messages from teachers, from peers, Mm -hmm. like everyone trying to find their way. We get that message and it's really discouraging, of course, but also there, I don't know that there's enough people talking about your desire for STEM or your desire for literature don't necessarily have anything to do with your ability to learn and speak a language. So I'm going to jump right ahead to you being a teacher. So how mm-hmm. did that history, you already touched on a little bit, but how did that history of you wanting to learn a language and getting those messages that you're a science person, not a language person, how has that shaped how you choose to teach? Yeah, the biggest thing that I've learned is that maybe it is the case that for me, it was more difficult. Maybe I had to work harder. Maybe I had to work longer. Maybe I had to work differently. But I think, yeah, the problem is looking at languages as if it's to get an A, right? We're not here to get an A. We're here to communicate, to maybe read a book, to get a job. I mean, the goal itself can be different, but it's not really a pass or fail. It's not a, I need a hundred percent by the end of the semester, which is also why I decided not to go into the school system. And I really just do it on my own for people who, yeah, maybe they already passed high school. Maybe they even have a degree, but they want to move to Germany or they have a German partner. So I can really completely take out the whole grading aspect and say, what is your goal and how do we get closer to it? Yeah, you can celebrate all of the words you know, or all of the words you put in the right order. And you don't have to say minus one, minus one for every word in the wrong place, because I don't have to keep track of that. We just want to get more comfortable. We want to be able to maybe speak faster, to speak clearer, to be more understandable. But whether or not you put the comma in the right place, probably the random person reading your resume doesn't know the comma rules either. So I think just really getting away from grading was the most important thing for me in my work and for my students. I mean, I feel like on the first day, they are always scared. Like, what am I going to get wrong today? But the question isn't, what am I going to get wrong today? It's what am I going to get right today? And what am I going to learn today? What am I going to know more about today? And mm-hmm. This really makes me think of smaller goals that we set along the way. So no matter if someone has goals or not, whatever their big goals are, they have to be broken down, right? And so as you're teaching to focus on those, what did I get right? Did I put the verb in the right position? Did I get that subordinate clause in the right place? Mm -hmm. Um, All of those little things, focusing on that really does help build the confidence and it helps break down those goals into something that's smaller and more manageable and probably I'm going to guess also helps people realize that like when they do make a mistake, it's not as big as we would think otherwise. If Mm -hmm. we're always focused on the mistakes, they feel big. They feel like you can't overcome them. But if I've just put the verb in the right place in 10 sentences and then messed it up in the last one, it's okay. I got it right 10 times through this way of teaching. You're simultaneously teaching people to change that mindset to manageable chunks of positivity and confidence in themselves. What I also notice is when you're giving grades, uh, students will tend to say, okay, I know this adjective really well. I know how to spell it. So I'm going to use it in every sentence and I'm going to use short sentences. I'm not going to use so many subordinate clauses Mm. because I know where to put the verb when it's Mm -hmm. not subordinate, right? So I think 
The problem is then we see, okay, we go to the next level and I'm making more mistakes. I'm going to get a worse grade. I'm going to fail. I'm terrible at German. But that you're making longer sentences, that you're using more adjectives, you're going to make more mistakes, but you're getting better. Like, mm -hmm. that's such a good thing. Like, if you are willing to write a sentence that you're unsure about, that is something good. And mm -hmm. then only then we can talk about the fact that the verb needs to be on the end. But if you're too scared to, to try to make a subordinate clause, we can't even think about it. We can't mm -hmm. talk about it. I don't know that you don't know it unless we really get into it and try to make hard sentences. We try to talk about what I would have maybe done differently in the past if I had known before that this could have been so. If you don't try to say that, you will never be able to say that, right? Mm -hmm. But it's going to be wrong the first 20 times you try to talk about what you could have, should have, would have done yesterday if something happened the day before, right? Yes. So. And I like this method too, because when you start really accepting what you don't know, like the should have, could have, would have, I'm really <laughs> dealing with that in Italian very, very strongly. I know I don't know it, but now I've seen this process over the last six years where I didn't even know that the subjunctive existed. And then I knew it existed, but I didn't really know anything else about it. And then I could recognize when someone else used it. Then I can anticipate when someone's going to use it. And now I'm slowly starting to be able to use it. This is six years, probably over the next six, maybe eventually I'll like kind of somewhat master it. But it's with this with every single piece of grammar in German, like you're told from the beginning, the verb goes in the second position, ah, unless it's a subordinate clause or unless it's various things so they say okay I, I didn't know that existed now I know they exist now I can use it with one conjunction with a mm -hmm. file okay now I know it goes at the yeah. end and then you're just slowly building up and each time it still starts to feel bigger once you realize that you're still not there to a hundred percent like no one is going to be but it feels more manageable to see the language unfold as you're towing your way into saying more complex things. To me, it's a beautiful thing, but it can also be very stressful and a mm. roadblock for someone who kind of has that anxiety about making mistakes or, or being wrong. Definitely. And I think, um, yeah, it's also just a fear that I fail. And if I don't try, I can't fail. But that's, of course, not the way to live your life. It's not the way to learn your language. Um, it's going to be better if we fail 10 times because maybe the 11th time it will work or at least I'll be understood. I mean, mm -hmm. if I say das and then don't put the verb at the end, probably I still said something more complicated than if I was too scared to say it. And I think, yeah, just really pushing yourself and really when you're an adult learning a language, just like really every day, thinking about I'm not getting a grade for this mm. and I'm doing this because I have a goal and what is that goal and what do I need to get there I also have the issue that some people think they should learn every word for all of the things sold in the supermarket or something like that like well one if you're a vegetarian don't learn the words for meats just know okay it's category meats you can learn them later you don't have to never learn them but if you want to work as a mathematician then it really doesn't matter if you know the difference between chicken and ham, right? Mm. But that's the order that the textbook I bought goes in, right? Or whatever. And I just think really getting away from that, I don't have to pass every vocabulary category. I don't have to pass anything. I just need to get closer to my goal. 
and just really thinking, what is the goal and how do I get there? And it's probably not through the meat section. <laughs> it's really, really difficult too for, and maybe this comes from having a scientific brain, maybe it comes from perfectionism, but it's really difficult. Even when we talk about levels in general, beginner, intermediate, advanced, not even going any more specific than that. It's hard for me to say I'm an intermediate speaker when I know I don't know the word for name a vegetable, right? Mm -hmm. Name some animal that I don't know. I'm like, but that's beginner stuff. That's what you, you know, I don't know my shapes or all my colors, but that's beginner stuff. That's what, you learn. That's what we teach three-year-olds. Mm -hmm. How can I say I'm intermediate if I'm missing that vocabulary? Because those things are so much more nuanced and general. It's, it's about how you can use the language in the situations you need to use the language, not in every situation. If I'm not going to kindergarten, it's okay if I don't know my shapes. It's fine. <laughs> or what sound the animals make. <laughs> oh, that's so, so hard. But that's a really cool thing to learn in different languages. <laughs> yeah, but it's always funny because I feel like I worked as an au pair for a while and um, just know a few kids. And they know so many words in German. I don't know. But sometimes it's just like cock-a-doodle-doo or something. And it's like, I actually am... Okay with not knowing that. And if I need to know it, I'm sure this child will explain it to me. It will be fine. They will have fun finally meeting an adult that they can teach something new to, right? So, yeah. That's a hard lesson to learn. If I need to know this word, it's going to come back Mm -hmm. up. It's going to come up in a conversation, in something I read. Eventually, they'll come around over and over and eventually your brain will pick them up. And then there's some words that just don't stick. It doesn't matter how many times I look up certain words. They're just not, they just don't stick. It's okay. Uh, it's normal. It's so rare that there's a circumstance where we really couldn't ask a question, you know, or we couldn't, like, uh, if we can't find the word we want to say, we can't just describe it. Like, I mean, unless I'm like the president or something, and I really need to always look like I know what's going on, I can just say, yeah, excuse me, but what does that word mean? Or can you say that a bit differently for a second? Could you say that a bit slower? Like, it's totally fine. Like, everyone knows that I'm not a German. It's not going to surprise them if when we are talking about how something works in bureaucracy that I've never done before, and they say a word I don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe even many Germans don't know this word, but especially they already see I'm holding my passport. It's not going to ruin my reputation when I ask them to repeat it right? Mm. You can just say it. It's okay. You don't have to know everything all the time. Have you found, how long have you lived in Germany? Five years. Okay. Have you found it maybe with your students who live or travel in Germany or who are married to Germans or have partners who are Germans? Do you find, how do I structure this, this question? Culturally, do you find that maybe students or new immigrants, new expats have perhaps more anxiety, maybe compared to other countries. I don't know your your experience with that, just because Germany is stereotypically closed. Because I find living here, for me, it's very difficult to make friends, to make close mm-hmm. friendships. But I also find the people very accessible, very understanding and patient. So when I am struggling to speak the language, I have never felt anyone impatient or pushing me or judging that that I'm not 
structuring this sentence. Um, so I guess the question is, do you have any examples or experience with culture and the stereotype of German culture playing a role in people's anxiety learning the language or fear of trying to speak the language? For sure. And I think often stereotypes come from misunderstanding cultural differences, right? And so the biggest thing I hear from all students that I also experienced um, up until about three years ago is this switching to English, right? And most of the time, I mean, I've asked so many Germans in my life, these people are trying to be helpful. And sometimes they're just excited. I finally get to use my English and not just in a classroom, like I get to uh, try to take this person's order in English mm -hmm. or show this person the way to the train station when they just ask. And I'll do it in English because I can tell that they probably also speak English. And so it's really coming from a helpful place which means that they won't be offended if you respond in German. They mm -hmm. won't be offended if you ask them to speak German with you because they are not trying to tell you your German sucks. They're not mm -hmm. trying to tell you that they can't understand you. They're not trying to tell you you should never speak German, but that's how I understood it back then. That's how many yes. of my students understand it. But I just stopped responding in English. And since then, one, it happens less. I think I seem less nervous when I speak German. And if they say something in English and I say, alles gut, ich kann Deutsch, then they say, ah, okay. And, yes. then, and then we just uh, stay in German. But I think stuff like this, it's so easy to misunderstand it, especially when you're already nervous. You just ask someone the direction to the train station. You're nervous about it. You don't know if they understand you. And then they start answering you in English. You're like, oh God, I've failed. But it's often a misunderstanding and the same thing with being kind of closed off and people don't talk to you in the supermarket line like they do mm -hmm. at home. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, that's just not in their culture. It's not because they hate you or they think you're a weird foreigner or something like that. They just tend to stand in the supermarket line and not look at anyone, not talk to anyone. But it has nothing to do with you. And so often I hear my students say they think, yeah, people can tell I'm a foreigner when I'm out and about. I think most of the time they aren't even noticing you. <laughs> That's, I, I too have tried many times, depending on the mood and where my stress level is and, and just what's going on with the situation, but just being out at the supermarket or out in public in any way, if someone responds to me in English and I have the capability of continuing with my German, I try to, I never did that in Italy. I actually take that back. It took me until my fourth year living in Italy mm -hmm. to start doing that because I just assumed, oh, they, they don't understand my Italian. They think my pronunciation is bad or whatever. I was making a lot of assumptions. So here I was already prepared not to mm -hmm. switch to English. Like you said, it's usually re received very well. They may continue to speak in English and I may continue to speak in German and it doesn't matter. It's okay. And especially uh, younger people are really excited to get some English <laughs> practice. Like university age people mm -hmm. are very excited to have some some English time. And we have some even younger, maybe 10, 11, 12 year olds in our town who speak English and they're mm -hmm. really excited. But I'm very comfortable responding to them in German because I know they're not judging me. Being able to pull yourself out of that kind of me mentality, assuming everything is wrong with me and allowing yourself, giving yourself the permission to go and do the thing you want in the language you want, not worry about what anybody else does or responds is it can be a very exciting and liberating experience. For sure. And I think um, 
Of course, I don't want to say that anyone's experiences are wrong. What you've experienced, it can be that maybe someone is mean to you or is judging you. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, as long as you're physically safe, I would say really getting out of caring. I mean, if someone is thinking, oh, this person really can't pronounce that word, like, okay, they're just mean. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. How are you supposed to learn how to pronounce it unless you try, right? I also think usually they aren't judging you and if they are they're mean so why why would I (laughs) so I think yeah it's like really getting out of one they're probably not judging you two if they are they're just bullies or something like and we're not children anymore it can sometimes feel like it in our little souls like all that hurts but actually you'll probably never see this person again and if you have a choice choose not to see the person again right Mm -hmm. It's hard, but it's it's important to say like uh, the only way to get a better accent in quotation marks to get maybe a more German sounding accent is to speak, right? Mm-hmm. You can't quietly sit in your room scared and suddenly get a better accent. It's not going to work. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if someone says something mean about it, yeah, it's my stepping stone on the way to where I want to be. So mm-hmm. I don't care. <laughs> You're bringing up a really good point that language learning, language acquisition is so much more than just learning the language. Growing up monolingually, I feel like my experience in acquiring a language has taken so much of me needing to understand more about myself, about boundaries, about what I'm willing to accept, not accept with myself, with others. A lot of soul searching that I did not anticipate would need to happen. I thought you learn grammar, you learn vocabulary, blah, blah, mm-hmm. you speak a language. <laughs> and it's um, For many of us, it is so much deeper because these communications, these experiences we have with other people in multiple languages really challenge our identity and how we think of ourselves and how we think of ourselves in the the bigger world, especially if we're not able to vocalize things in the same way that we can mm-hmm. in our native languages. Definitely. And I think, um, I feel like I always was swinging from one side to the other. I would be in a position where I don't want anyone to say anything negative about my German. And so also helpful critique was something I didn't want to hear. Mm-hmm. And I think it's okay to be in such phases at times. Maybe it's not going to be helpful for you because you're too nervous. So you just say, no, if you understand me, we're just going to keep going. And then at other times I was in this other place where when I heard this person tell me that my accent was so bad, I was, I, I didn't push this away. And I think really being able to differentiate between helpful feedback, okay, um, I pronounced the word wrong, it was hard to understand, I need to practice how to say this word, right? Maybe I will ask my teacher the next time I see her to help me say this word better, um, something like that. And someone saying, no, you shouldn't speak German, or oh, that sounds so bad, something like that. You don't need to hear that. No one needs to hear that. No one needs to accept that. And Mm -hmm. I think really allowing when you can helpful feedback and not allowing unhelpful feedback is Mm -hmm. so, so, so important. And not just in languages, then you start noticing that in other places, people who tell you, oh, how could you take that job or whatever, whatever it may be. um, If it's helpful, try to accept it. And if it's not helpful, you don't need it right? Absolutely. In every area of our lives, for sure. So let's get 
more into your specific story. What did that pathway look like for you learning the language as far as years, methods, what really worked or didn't work for you in getting to where you are with your German? Yeah, it's a very good question. Of course, it's not something you can generalize. But for me, in the context of feeling like I failed Spanish, I failed learning a language, feeling like I'm a math person, being a generally shy and introverted person. In the end, when I came to Germany, I had already studied it for three years at the university and had it for two years in high school. And so I could write a paper, I could read a book, I could even generally watch a TV show. Um, I didn't understand everything, but I was doing okay looking up words. And But someone asked me where I'm from, I would have a heart attack, which is so crazy looking back how I and partially the education system allowed myself and me to get to a point where I could read a book, but I couldn't I could say what my name was, but if it got much more complicated, I would like be sweating bullets and like ready to cry almost, <laughs> like, which is so wild to think about and sounds like exaggerated, but it's really how it felt. And I think then it was really easy when I heard any type of critique, whether helpful or unhelpful to say, okay, another month without speaking German in public. Like, it's official. I need to practice alone in my room again, which practice for me was then always grammar drills, which I always got correct. So I was like, okay, next month when I try to speak again, it's going to be great. For me, this method was a very bad method. And it's one that I used for a long time. I thought, okay, if I get all of the questions right, then I will be able to speak German. And of course, the main piece that was missing was self-confidence and practice. And practice was hard to get without the self-confidence. So self-confidence is not enough. I've seen many people with a lot of confidence. Doesn't mean they're going to say it right, but with time, right? So you need confidence, time, practice. Um, but what really, really in the end worked for me, I started volunteering at an old people's home. Mm. Because no matter what I did with my friends... I often chose to switch to English. They chose to switch to English for fun, for practice. I chose to switch to English when it got complicated and I got scared. So I went and hung out with a 92-year-old lady once a week for one hour. She had me uh, read poems out loud that she couldn't read because of her eyesight. And then when she didn't understand a word, she asked what it was. And I would try to pronounce it better, clearer, louder, which speaking clearly and loudly was very scary for me. And then she would realize what word it was and repeat it. And I would repeat and we would go back and forth until she was happy with it. Then I should start the line again. She had never been to the U.S., um, but her grandkids had been there, but she wanted to hear more about it and what it's like living there. And I was like, oh, my God, that is so hard to say. And it was so complicated, but she had time. So I could think about it for a long time. Sometimes I would just say, I really need to look that up. I'll tell you next week because I didn't want to get my phone out. You know, older people don't really like that. So it really forced me an hour long reading poems, talking, um, listening also, but speaking loudly, clearly, and just having no other choice. But of course, I had to choose to put myself in that situation. So that was also hard. But I knew if I had the guts to walk into the room, it would work out. And if I had to think about a word for five minutes, she didn't care. She was glad someone was spending time with her because of course her family worked nine to five and I was no pair. I could show up at 10 when she was a bit bored. 
she was like, if she sits there for five minutes in silence, I'm all right. She'll talk again soon. <laughs> and, um, but then Corona came and of course, then it was pretty much lockdown um, in these uh, old people homes and the retirement homes, however you would call it. And um, so I actually didn't get to see her again, but I was there for, I guess, four months, one hour a week. And since I already knew German, that's all I needed. After a month of doing that, I already was able to not switch with my friends or not switch with a waitress, not switch with my host mom even. Um, and so that was really life-changing, forcing myself into situations with people who don't speak English. So I think really in situations where once you get there, you either have to run screaming, crying, or you have to do it. Only two options. I think that was very important for me. That is one of the coolest stories I think <laughs> I've ever heard because you're working on your language with someone who's patient and giving them something, giving them mm -hmm. um, community and, and communication. I mean, that's that's what language is all about. And to be able to provide that to someone while also getting the confidence, that is so cool. Yeah, uh, because I think most older people would love to say, yeah, every... Saturday at 10 a.m., let's chat for 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. Or especially so many people can't read the books they used to love. So if you yeah. just say, I'll read a chapter of your favorite book to you every week. With Corona, it's became kind of difficult, but I was like, there has to be a way to make this like a systematic way to volunteer for people learning languages, right? Because right. these people, I mean, of course, not every old person would love a stranger coming to them, but I think many of them would, right? And so it's just a wonderful way because it was also kind of a way for this lady to kind of travel to the U.S. in a way, you know, and hear mm -hmm. some faraway stories. And she was like, really, are there alligators there? You know, just like crazy stuff that she's only seen in a movie before. And mm -hmm. to be like, and you've seen an alligator have you eaten Alec? You know, just like, and this was such a crazy thing for her that was so interesting. And that she would then tell the other people who lived in the building about, yeah, the American and her alligators. It's just like, it's so cool. Like stuff that, I mean, alligators are kind of crazy, but actually kind of normal where I'm from in a way. So like something that seems normal to you, to like an old lady who's never left Germany, it's going to be pretty interesting. So she's getting a lot. I'm getting a lot. She gets to hear her poems, even if a bit more broken than she's used to. Yeah, I did that, like I said, right before Corona. So that was about three years ago, a bit over three years ago. And since then, like, I feel like I instantly hit C1 because I was basically there. I just was too scared to be there and mm -hmm. didn't have enough practice speaking. So it was like, just in four months, I was like, oh. I can speak German. <laughs> you know, mm. So I would I, recommend doing it much, much earlier because I could have, you know, advanced my speaking and my reading kind of simultaneously, which mm -hmm. I didn't do. And I think that would be much quicker. But then this switch really like not being scared and feeling like I'm not a burden by learning German, but I'm actually mm. doing something helpful. She finds it cool, you know, and, and really trying to tell her about America and having no other way. Right. That is whatever you said. I was there. I was just scared to be there. Mm -hmm. I, I feel that so <laughs> much. And I mean, it comes from a place of confidence of, can I really do this? Because we all remember being a zero. We all remember being a one. And like you said earlier, some, we feel like kids inside. I think we all mm -hmm. feel like beginners inside, whether we acknowledge what we can do or not. And so 
knowing that we really have the capability of, of like, we have the knowledge in our brains. We just have to let it out and get over that fear. Cause I don't know, for me, every kind of new level I reach, it's a new level of fear as well. Mm. Um, that to me is tied with confidence and tied with, there is some fear of success in a way. I, I can't really describe it other than how you just did maybe a fear of knowing that you are there claiming you are there and then realizing you're not and you know some exactly syndrome or something in there yeah if I speak too well which actually I've noticed this recently that my accent's gotten very very much better um meaning closer to the native German speakers that I'm around and I went to a sports class for the first time which was a big fear of mine actually because I feel like it's so specific and um you really don't want to misunderstand something because everyone in the room will know I don't know it just it just seemed really scary to me so um I started doing gymnastics actually which is something I did as a child and I've been wanting to do again and so I went to a course we've only had one uh, one meeting um so far but but everyone assumed I was German you know I introduced myself everything and we had already been doing warm-ups we ran some laps did some stretches and and then we were doing a stretch and he says, the trainer says, you know, you should, um, you should have boo together. And I was like, I mean, I could understand what the sounds were, but I didn't know the word. Right. So then of course I have to turn to my neighbor and ask him essentially, what is an ankle? And then you, that's like so embarrassing because, you know, I've, I feel like an imposter. I've convinced everyone I can speak German, but I mm-hmm. don't even know the word for ankle. And then, of course, they think you are stupid because they assume you're German and you just don't know the word for ankle. Like, imagine being in a in a sports class and someone says, "Excuse me, but what's an ankle?" You're like, "Are you all right?" Like, yeah, and yeah. So yeah, so it was ankle, and so when we were touching our toes, he wanted that our ankles were together. It's fine, I know it now, but that was so much scarier than if I had already been openly like an intermediate. Then. It wouldn't have been this very awkward, like, why is this person asking me what an ankle is? They would have known why I was asking. So it's just this really uncomfortable position where you're like, have to admit that you're not perfect. And so when you get too close to perfection, this like admitting, okay, I don't know every word in the world, or I don't remember, maybe it some, was somewhere in my brain, but I definitely didn't have it ready while I was trying to touch my toes, right? And that's like so much scarier than just going in and having a strong accent and, and like mixing your words up a little bit and asking mm-hmm. what an ankle is. People mm-hmm. are then like, you're doing pretty good for an intermediate, but once you're advanced and you don't know what an ankle is, you're like, Oh my God, why don't I know what an ankle is? And I think, yeah, this has a lot to do with self-confidence and feeling like this one word in the last I don't know, six months that I had to ask someone what a word was, but it felt so much like a basic word. Like I should have Mm -hmm. known ankle. Why didn't I know ankle? Right. And do I let that bring me down? Answer was a little bit, but but like not as much as it could have. Right. And I think um, this can often be the fear of getting too good because then like life will bring you down or something. It's always good too to have a, a comfortable person who speaks both languages like you know mm. your languages are opposite your native is their l2 right. back and forth who who you're comfortable bouncing these things off as well my best italian friend she speaks amazing english and um, but every now and then she gets pronunciation wrong because english i mean you read a word and it doesn't Confusing. sound anything like it and so recently she was talking about talking about um in italy there's been a drought 
and I don't remember how she pronounced it like draught and I think and mm. I was like Mm-mm, that's not the pronunciation she's like what please don't tell me <laughs> <I said>, drought <laughs> she's like I said you know but not to be mistaken with draft or um oh. sound like all these other words that have the same ending and she's like I just don't understand but we made a thing of it we made this and then I sent her some memes that had to do with yeah. it we made a thing of it and then she sent me an audio message yesterday talking about the same thing but she she's like look I can pronounce it now and it was yeah. just, it was an exciting thing so you know having someone some connection with, mm-hmm. with someone who understands why you don't know the word for ankle or right. why something is difficult to pronounce it helps build those experiences now that mm. you're probably never going to forget ankle in your life. Definitely not. Because of that emotional experience. Definitely. And I think that was also kind of my fear of sports because I know I don't know my body parts. I know I don't know what these different, like the bars and the beams. And, mm-hmm. I mean, I tried to look up so I would be prepared, but then they kind of, all the words kind of sounded similar to me. So it was kind of difficult. And of course, when you're like exercising, you're thinking more about your body and then you're trying to translate it in a category that I hadn't really experienced before. And, and I prefer, I'm more of like a runner anyway. So it was fine the past few years. I just go for a run. I don't have to know what it's called in German. It's going to be fine. And, um, running is also less complicated than gymnastics, but I think, um, it's also good when you are so advanced. And I think, especially as a teacher to still put yourself in these situations, because of course, after, after that, I mean, I would say that I'm always very understanding of my students, but you get a deeper understanding, mm-hmm. like a more reminder of how it was and how it is for all of my students. And, and of course, when I also try to learn other languages, I also get this like reminder, oh God, that's what my students feel like in class, right? It's how I feel being like, excuse me, but what's an ankle? And I think yeah. um, it's just so important to not forget what it was like just because you're so advanced. And I think we often like to stay in our categories where we're comfortable, linguistics, math for me, studying, also work a lot with bureaucracy, especially with my students. Um, but something like sports was like out of my comfort zone. And some of my students have done sports classes in German for three years. Mm-hmm. But the problem is they need a new category that they're not prepared for working, mm-hmm. which is often a very scary category. Um, but for me, it was scary going to a sports class. <laughs> That's another great idea for getting yourself one other kind of one other level or just some category that now... Mm-hmm. I know all of it. I know all the shopping words now. Right. I want to know more of the aerobics or gymnastics or yeah. yoga words. Yeah. Excellent and, tip. Yeah. And then you can also think like even a German teacher didn't know this word, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that also sometimes mm-hmm. feels cool to notice like there are C1, C2 learners who don't know this category and I'm at A2, B1 And I know this whole category or like a very large percentage of aerobics vocabulary. It's like, Mm -hmm. I am kicking butt in aerobics German and, and Chris has nothing on me. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I think that that's also fun because we're all on a different journey and you can, you know, fill up your brain with aerobics vocabulary and someone else who has passed a C2 exam perhaps has no idea what you're talking about. And that's Mm -hmm. also, I think, always kind of funny to think about, um, But it's the same in English, of course. I mean, if we talk about math, also native speakers sometimes would be like, I have no idea what you're talking about, which doesn't mean they can't speak English, right? And um, I mean, studying anything in any language, you're 
taking on a new category within this language. So even if you went back to school today and said, yeah, I'm going to study, I don't know, something else, then you're also going to realize, wow, <laughs> there's so much here. And mm -hmm. I, if someone else there is an expert, I might sound silly if I'm like, so what is an integral? Um, but it's just part of it, right? <laughs> my my kids really get a kick out of correcting my German when they know something in German that I don't because I have a better holistic view right. of the language. I understand the grammar, even if I can't produce it, I understand it. Mm -hmm. And they have a very tailored um, right. perspective from school. And so they love to correct my pronunciation oh. or teach me words or anything. But then they often like you're saying um with someone who's an expert if you're if you're new even if it's something that you learned in school like my daughter wanted to know I don't even know some specifics of history and I'm like mm. I can tell you two very general facts about whatever this thing was she's like but didn't you learn it in school <laughs> yes honey 20 years ago yeah. <laughs> I don't I, I have to look it up and but I think that's important because kids do see us or beginners see teachers right. as the end-all be-all you know yeah. it all you know everything so when my teachers have to look up something especially if they're not native speakers of the language it's very motivating for me it's an excellent example of this is reality in reality we don't know all of the words for all of the things we don't know all the uh -huh. idioms and mm -hmm. it really helps students in my opinion have a realistic expectation of what the future of the language looks like no matter how yeah. fluent or advanced you are there's always something and it's okay it's normal yeah and being tired being distracted mm -hmm. you're gonna make mm -hmm. grammar mistakes no matter how good you are like or if you were talking in English to this person and now you try to it might come out a jumbled mess sometimes the more you practice switching the easier it would be but sometimes it's just not gonna work and it's fine and also saying yeah whether I'm a beginner or advanced, it's important to know what do I do when I don't know something. So I also mm -hmm. think being comfortable asking someone, what does that mean? And I don't have to always pretend that I know what's going on, even if I don't. Um, <laughs> or double checking. I mean, just mm. saying, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's a dare word, but I'm okay with checking it. And I'm not embarrassed that I don't know every single one. And I'm confident that I know every single one. Mm. Um, it's fine to check it. It's fine when you do something very important to let a native speaker look over it, no matter if you have a C2 or not. It's not embarrassing to not have everything correct every single time and also know that it's correct because sometimes you just need someone to look over something just so you have the feeling, I know it's correct. And sometimes mm. they look at it, looks great. That's okay too. It's, I think... Yeah, you don't have to expect that there is somewhere to be that's going to be the end-all be-all. And also mm -hmm. that as a beginner, you don't have to be embarrassed to look up daddy dust because I'm looking up daddy dust sometimes. Like, I think, yeah, it's it's normal. You can't know everything and also at the same time have the feeling that you know everything. Right. There's at least going to be some, mm, let me double check forever, mm -hmm. really. Yeah. German grammar is, you know, for English speakers, complicated, especially when you start getting into cases and how mm. that changes the article. But I've, I, I learned the cases from the very beginning because mm -hmm. I knew that it was, it was such a big part of grammar and complicated. I didn't want to learn only the nominative and then only, mm. I want all of it, give me all of it so I can start recognizing it. And sometimes I learn the article because I understand the case. I understand, right. I know 
something is im Kühlschrank, okay, well, that means it's der or das, and then yeah. we can go from there. Mm-hmm. Um, so getting a, in my opinion, sometimes getting a holistic view of the grammar can help with all those little things that you right. know you need to learn from the beginning, but they're terrifying. Sometimes you just, you can pick it up as you go because you kind of just have a holistic view of what you're going to have to be facing. Yeah, definitely. And that's like the perfect example. And that's something that some people really have troubles with um, because they always memorize all of the articles with all the nouns, but then they don't know how to figure them out from context when they get a new word. Because when they saw context in school, in a classroom, it was always for a word they already knew. So they never had to go in the opposite direction. And you have to think when a German hears a new word because they start a new um, master's program or a new bachelor's program, whatever, they also, maybe they hear it in accusative case, then they know it's den, das, or die. And then they know immediately without thinking mm-hmm. what it is, right? And um, and I think that that's such an important skill and it's also good to practice it. And one good way you can also do that, for example, because it's hard if you're learning by yourself, to find words you don't know um, is to kind of make yourself some fake words and then say, um, I see the, right? And then based on what the it is, try to figure out if it's a dare thing or a dust thing, whatever. And I think really trying to work up these skills so that you can learn words in context so that you can learn words live, right? Mm -hmm. And not assuming you have to learn a word to know a word. Oh yeah. As opposed to this acquiring sense within Mm -hmm. context. Exactly. That goes back to what I said earlier about if a word is is important, if you're going to need to know it, you're going to see it over and over again. Definitely. uh, I know flashcards have their place, especially for people who really like that. Um, The gold list method or anything Mm. else that's acquiring vocabulary, whether in context or not, it all has its place for the people who learn best with those methods. It's the repetition that is the key. No matter which method it is, the repetition is the key. And however we get those, the words that we need are going to come back every time. Right. Regardless of whether it's kind of natural. So like you mean that you hear them in your life. And if you hear them enough, you probably need them. And if you hear them enough, you will probably know them. Or if you do it artificially, which might be more helpful if you don't live in the country, right? So Mm -hmm. making flashcards, you have to kind of supplement how many repetitions you get per word. So if you realize I've seen it twice, it's probably important to my life. I just don't get enough input. Mm -hmm. Then you can say, okay, then I will still look at it once a day so that I can get that number up so that I'll remember it. But I think it's still important. I say that to my students as well. Just because you see a word once and didn't know what it meant, you don't need to learn it. If you only see it once per year, you don't need to know it. Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) You can know it if you really want to, but there's only so much time, space, energy that you have in your day and your week and your year. You should rather spend that on words that you see daily, that you see three times a week that you saw five times in an article that you found really interesting and you want to tell your friends about. That's what you need to be looking at and not read a book, mark every word you didn't know, make a flashcard from it and try to memorize it. (laughs) Even learning languages full-time, I don't think there's time for all of that. Tell us about Deutsch mit Chris and maybe how it came about and everything about it that you want to share. Yeah, so I had always had different 
Instagrams and Tumblrs and Twitters that had varying levels of popularity. So I always really enjoyed connecting with people, sharing memes about language learning or um, different sports I did. I used to do color guards, so flag spinning mm-hmm. with a marching band. Mm-hmm. And when I was doing that, I had a also a Twitter account where I mostly just shared memes or tips or jokes about being a color guard girl. But so that was always something that I always found really fun is helping people, but also connecting people, stuff like that. So I took the test stuff. So that's one of the exams you can take in order to prove your level for studying at a German university. And the day I got my uh, results, which were almost a perfect score, I had essentially 19 out of 20 total points. And I thought, hmm. I actually did that pretty well. And a lot of people want to do that well. I'm going to start sharing tips. And it started out just posting pictures and just in the caption were tips. And I didn't even know people were doing this on Instagram because I had only used Instagram before that for friends, family type things. So of course, then I started more looking at hashtag learn German and realized there were people with lots and lots of followers. And and I was curious, okay, what are they doing? So one, more videos, but two, also like not just a picture of a sky where underneath I say like, uh, read a page per day to improve your German. So I started, uh, you know, trying to make infographics, which I didn't know how to do. I was using PowerPoint at the beginning. Uh, so I had a slide that was a square and I used little clip arts. And yeah, if you scroll really far back, you'll see, I, I haven't removed them. So that's kind of how that started, which coincidentally coincided with me starting to freelance teach. But I didn't actually at the time think that these two things could be related. Um, but I actually started teaching. So it's totally a different timeline. But around the time that I was going to see this old lady, I um, was also preparing for the test stuff. So I was learning a lot. I had already um, finished my degree in German. But like I said, that only led to me writing papers and reading books. But then as Corona hit, uh, all of my au pair friends were taking German classes. And the language schools closed, at least for the beginning. So most of their families were paying for German lessons, were willing to pay for German lessons, but there were no language schools. So my friends were like, when you get off of work at 10 p.m., why don't you teach us German on Zoom? So if anyone's listening to this, this was not for money. So, um, <laughs> uh, but so we started doing that because they were like, yeah, you're the only one of us who speaks German and you have a degree. You probably can teach. That's not how that works, which I didn't really know. So I was Googling a lot. How do you teach a language? How do you become a better teacher? How do you make a lesson? How do you look at homework? What is homework? <laughs> and um, so I was full-time au pair. <laughs> Basically, I was studying for my exam. I was teaching German and trying to learn to teach German. So that started with Corona. And then word of mouth, I got a few more. Um, even when stuff was opening back, people just liked the flexibility. So I had been doing that for six months when I started Deutsch und Chris, uh, more as just sharing tips and being helpful. <laughs> yeah, so I did that for, I guess, one or two years without ever advertising anything. I also really didn't want to advertise for other things um, because I wanted to, I don't know, I just wanted to be helpful. And then I realized, you know, I I think I... 
at some points I was putting more than 20 hours a week into making these posts and to answering DMs and to all of this. And I realized I really needed a job. Like, <laughs> And so that's kind of how it came together where I was like, okay, I'm going to start. I'm going to legally uh, get permission and get uh, allowed to be a freelancer within Germany, which was very complicated for me as a student because I had a student visa. You're not allowed to freelance at the same time. So that was a complicated matter. And then I just started mentioning it is how it kind of started. And then people were like, oh my God, I didn't know you were a teacher. Like I want lessons. And then they kind of started overfilling. And then I started thinking, okay, how can I make group lessons? Because at the time I was only doing individual lessons. And um, yeah, what do I want my focus to be? Because I can't really learn how to be a good teacher of A1 to C2 and all of the exams possible. And then I just really noticed that most of my friends who were foreigners studying with me felt really unprepared for studying. So that's how I got this focus of test stuff, because that's what people are searching for, and then trying to include the stuff that they don't search for and realize they don't know. Mm -hmm. So how does the university work? How do I apply? What is some slang I need to know to make friends at the university? And not the slang that my 50-year-old German teacher told me about, but the one that's actually going to work with 20-year-olds. Mm -hmm. So I think trying to combine all of that's kind of a really long story, but um, that's kind of like my target now is really people who want to study here and like really the whole picture and not just, I need to pass the exam because then you're either going to have no friends or you're not going to do well in school or both. I'm not saying you're cursed if you don't do my class, but also just Googling more about, okay, what is the slang they're going to use or what type of papers do we write there? How do classes work? in mm -hmm. Germany, because it's going to be different than your home country. Mm -hmm. And I think I didn't know that I was overwhelmed. I was scared. Like, what are they talking about? <laughs> There's the way that things are graded are totally different. And not being prepared for that is going to be really, really scary and really, really stressful. And while you're trying to find an apartment, while you're trying to find friends, while you're trying to learn the material, you're trying to understand how do I turn something in? And I think not even having the vocabulary to understand when the professor answers the question. It's just a disaster. I yeah. love this because you've, you've been through it. You've done this. You were somehow just forced into a situation where other people were asking you for advice and tips and learning, and you've brought it together. So other people don't have to reinvent the wheel. No one has to do it on their own. There is right. support, there's a program and a human being willing and ready and capable of helping with the holistic perspective mm -hmm. of this process in a very tailored and experienced way. I love it. There is a teacher at a program out there for anyone who wants Definitely. to learn. And especially, I really like this tailored idea because there's so many different ways to approach a new language, a new culture, and being able to connect with people who have done it before is incredibly valuable, especially if they're going to teach you all the things that you're going to be Googling anyway. Definitely. And just specifically, I think I don't think there's a problem that this exists because of course, like a one size fits all is also going to be easier to reproduce. It's going to be cheaper to reproduce. It's going to be faster to reproduce. But I remember before I started doing the full master's program, before that I had done an exchange semester in Germany. And during that time, I took a C1 course. I still was not able to speak. This was before I met this elderly woman. And I thought passing the C1 course I should be able to study, I should be able to talk, I should be able to have friends. It just wasn't the case. But this course was trying to teach 
PhD students doing stuff in English, students studying in English, exchange students who maybe also partially just want to experience a different culture and weren't ready to be in such a serious room. And we talked a lot about stuff like, yeah, if we're addicted to our cell phones was one topic we did for one week. And yeah, it was interesting. We read a text, we talked about it, but I still didn't know how to study. And I felt like that was such a missed opportunity that they have these advanced level courses at the university. And I still did not know how to take an exam. <laughs> like, and I feel like part of the issue is that teachers generally are native speakers are people who've lived there a long time. I also still didn't know what to do with my bottles and why they laid all over the ground. If you don't live in Germany, you're going to have to look this up, fund, <laughs> so deposit. But stuff like this, if you live there for too long and you don't write down what confused you, or you're a native speaker, you're a native German, you don't know what's confusing to me. Mm-hmm. You don't know so, what people don't know. Yeah. And so it's not just the language because someone's told me, yeah, it's fund. Yeah. Okay. And then what does it mean? So I think um, I think this is so much bigger than people really think. And I think this also ties together with people's real obsession, in my opinion, with having Native teachers. Mm-hmm. And I think I love many of the teachers I had who were Native. I love many of the teachers I had who weren't Native. But I think specifically at these points, when you're moving to the country and you are confused, even when you ask the question, I feel like they don't necessarily understand the question is the mm-hmm. issue. Mm-hmm. And I think that many teachers can learn this. I'm not saying all Native teachers haven't figured it out from experience. Oh, everyone's asking what fund is. <laughs> maybe I should have that prepared um, to answer, so to say, or maybe just talk about it before they are throwing their money in the trash like I did. You know, and so I'm not saying all of them, but I think that this is one of the big points where I say a non-native speaker is so, so helpful mm-hmm. because they know what confused them. They know what confused their friends mm-hmm. and they know what they did about it. Right. And I think that's so powerful. It is. It is very powerful. We've lived here almost two years. And my husband still won't take the fund. I'm like, you've seen me do it. You know what to do. And he's like, mm, uh, oh. just put them in. I mean, it's not that simple. You can't just put them in. And then it keeps spitting them back out. <laughs> the first time I did it, I threw it in. No, nope. it screamed at me. <laughs> yeah, or you put it in the wrong direction, or it's something that that store doesn't sell, and then you it yeah. usually only says it in German, and you're like, I don't know. There are intricacies to no. all of these little things that to people who have lived here a very long time, whether native or not, understand because you grow with a language as right. a culture changes. So when you're just coming in, all of the little intricacies are very overwhelming. I really like this story. I really like what you're doing. And I hope this helps some listeners for sure. Maybe younger listeners or older listeners who are looking (laughs) at either moving or studying Mm -hmm. in Germany. And Chris, I'm sure you're a wealth of knowledge of other programs and other people Mm -hmm. who can help tailor someone's experience as well to more specific things. So with that, tell our listeners where they can find you and connect with you, whether they're interested in German or not. You post things about German, about language learning, about teaching, about science and technology. So if anyone's interested in any of these topics, where can they find you? 
Yeah, so the best place to find me is on Instagram, so at Deutschmann-Chris. Um, It'll probably be in the show notes it if it's be. hard to spell. And yeah, and I also have a website and my YouTube channel launched yesterday. That's right. Uh, also check that out for sure. You'll be one of the first subscribers. First video um, was up yesterday. Hopefully there will be more by the time you guys hear this since it will be uh, a bit delayed in, in publishing. So by then I'm sure there will be many people also subscribing. Um, but yeah, so those will probably be my two main hangout spots. And yeah, send me a message, especially if you realize my stuff isn't for you. Maybe I can help you find something else if you're interested in German. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here and chatting with me today. I hope your experience as a podcast guest has been good. Definitely. <laughs> thanks for the chat. It's so fascinating to me to hear anyone's story, especially when we come from similar backgrounds and and how our paths kind of went different ways, but yeah. together eventually in the end, everyone has a different story and different methods that work. And it's fantastic to be able to talk about it and get that out. And I have no doubt that listeners will be very inspired by many of the things you've said today as well. Thank you so much for the invitation again. And I would love to come back maybe in a future season or if we chit chat some other time. Absolutely. <laughs>